Riley, um, I want to understand right off the bat, what is a relationship expert? Please break it down for us. Yes. So a relationship expert is anyone who has an extensive knowledge about relationships and relationship dynamic. So a lot of times when people think about relationship expert, they think about mm -hmm. romantic relationship. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Why a lot of the tools that we use in romantic relationships in every other aspect of relationships because the intimacy is the same minus mm -hmm. the sexual intimacy. So the way oh, that we interact okay. with our parents and our friends and our coworkers, it's actually the same when, when we break it down, the communication, the understanding, mm -hmm. you know, the way that we interact with one another. So it's basically an expert in human relationships. Oh, human relationship, because my impression was very shallow, you know. I'm talking about, you know, couple, you know, how to handle marriage or how can we find what are the, you know, I, I had a question in mind, which I'm going to ask you later. Uh, and it's all, uh, I want to ask you, this was supposed to be later, but um, I was going to ask you, what are the three main, you know, uh, part of your bucket list in order to find that true, that tr true uh, partner or, you know, you know, husband and, and wife in life, you know, because yes. to be honest with you, Riley, I'm in my, I'm almost 40. I'm not married. I've never been married. I have a daughter. She's 16, you know, and every courtship is different uh, compared to your, you know, when you, when you talk about your age, you know, your, your perception and, and your, um, you know, your wants and needs and the priorities in life really, really change. I want to ask you about that later, but um, I'm going to slow down because it's very broad. You know, you're talking about human your relationship in general. Yes. So, um, do do you seek uh, do do you have people seek counseling uh, to you towards you know uh, making asking for advices in 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 order to maybe uh, ha rekindle relationships with marriage or maybe maybe I haven't talked to my parents for a very long time because of money problems or anything you know how do I reconnect with my with my peers or my best friend or my you know do you have that kind of um, I want to understand, is this a job description that you do or something that you do online? Yes. So I am an expert love educator and relationship coach. So mm -hmm. the love education aspect is teaching people exactly what is that formula for having successful relationships. Okay. So when people come into my audience, the first thing that I ask them is, when did you learn how to have a thriving relationship? And they'll think for a second. Wow. I'll start to go down the list. I'll say, did your parents sit you down, open a book and say, this is the formula for success? Did they mm -hmm. teach you how to have a thriving relationship the same way they taught you how to tie your shoes? And then, you know, it is a weird question. So they'll yeah, think about it. Yeah, those are it. very, very hard questions to ask. I mean, answer. Like right off the yeah, bat, but, like, dude, this is so deep. <laughs> yeah, but they'll realize, okay. you know, no one didn't actually teach me that. And so then I'll ask them, you know, did you did you take a school, a, a class in school that taught you about successful relationships. And again, they'll think, well, no, I didn't. Of course so not. Yeah. My question is, where did you learn how to have successful relationships? Mm -hmm. One of the most important aspects when it comes to the happiness of our lives, Okay. where did you learn how to do it? And we haven't been taught. So there's this big mm -hmm. gap between 
people wanting to have successful relationships, but people having access to the information. You know, a lot of times we think that relationships are these really complex things because they involve human emotions and they involve yeah. people. So they must be this sort of mystical, mysterious thing. But we've actually been able to study relationships on a scientific level. We understand exactly what is the formula for success. And it's much simpler than you would actually think. Dude, I, I want to learn. I want to learn. So wait a second, hold back a little bit. How do you define a successful relationship anyway? Because for me, that's very broad. You know, for each its own, everybody has their own definition when it comes to that, right? But how do you answer for yeah, you? So every yeah, so relationship, every relationship can be different. But yeah. essentially, what we're, what we're saying when we're talking about uh, what I refer to as a thriving relationship is one that is happy, healthy, and growing. Okay. So if two of you are happy, if the relationship is healthy, meaning that it's void of any kind of abuse or neglect or anything like that, and the two of you are moving forward in a positive direction, that is a thriving relationship. Now, I do get into specifics when I work with clients. So as you were asking, I do work with couples, with married yeah. couples, in couples. Um, and what we're talking about there is a couple who doesn't fight ever. So I teach couples how to not fight which is which is the new wow concept. how is that possible <laughs> yes um a couple that is completely honest that creates a safe space where they can be vulnerable they can open up to each other um and a couple that is basically on the same page they have the same values the same beliefs when it comes to the relationship the ultimate level of compatibility a lot of times we think compatibility is like oh i want someone who's tall and who's smart and who's funny those are those are interesting aspects and of course yeah. you can have those things but we have to go much deeper and make yeah. sure that we're actually wanting the same thing for ourselves and the same thing for our relationship yeah you know those things are shallow when you talk about i want this and i want that you know but people are vapid when it comes to relationship most of the times but i want to ask you um so let's talk about relationship first you know as a couple right as a couple you know looking for the, the, the right one because for me there's no such thing as I don't know but this is just my opinion based upon my experience finding the right a woman somehow can be I don't know man it just naturally happens and for me the right person would be somebody that's more understanding um with with the analogy of a toasted bread right they said the analogy of a toasted bread the most delicious part of a toasted bread is as a matter of fact edible for most part would be the middle and the sides of a toasted bread are the important part. And you should eat that too. You know, you should eat that too. And that's the bitter part of the relationship. That's a better, bitter part of the person. And you have to learn how to embrace the ugliness of the person in order to grow. So there's no such thing as really an ideal relationship or ideal person. You have to communicate. You have to understand what you think about this and what you think about that. What do you like about me and what, do, what don't you like about me? Let's talk about it and let's work it through. You know, for me, that's a relationship. But don't you think you can seek happiness by just tweaking each other um, to a point where if you want to change me, then you don't love me? You know, how does that work? How does that work? That's you know? a really good question. That's a really great question because yeah. when you're thinking about being in a relationship with someone, this is a whole different human being who has a different mm -hmm. past, different traumas, different experiences. Exactly different desires you put those two people together especially in a house often sharing bills and and dinners and children there's a lot of complexities there mm -hmm. so 
I do believe that there is such thing as a perfect relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a relationship without problems. I actually don't mm -hmm. think that problems are a problem. It's the inability to solve the problems that allow us to suffer. So yeah. perfect relationship is basically as close as it can be to flawless as humanly possible, right? Mm -hmm. So it means of all of the dynamics that you need in the relationship. You have that communication, you have understanding. The two of you have a problem-solving technique, which is essential for relationships. The two of you understand how to navigate the ups and downs that are going to come your way with things in the relationship and things outside of the relationship. So it's as good as possible, meaning that you know how to navigate the things that come your way. When you meet someone, you have to have a list of non-negotiables and a list of preferences. So wow. is there a perfect person out there? Well, there's a perfect person for you. And there are probably multiple per perfect people, right? Because there are so many people on this planet. So when you are in that dating stage and you're starting to meet people, you have to go through that list of non-negotiables. It's great to go on a first date and say, you know, what's your favorite music and what mm -hmm. do you do for fun? And those are really good questions. But also we have to start adding in some of those deeper level questions to see if we're truly compatible. I call it sharing a common vision. So for example, you have people, um, you know, you have a lot of men out here who are on two sides of a spectrum. Some men are in this sort of traditional sense that they want mm -hmm. a woman to stay home and to have his children and he don't work out yeah and and work and provide and he has that idea and then you have the other type of man who says we're equal you know maybe i stay home and you mm -hmm. stay home mm -hmm. you know it doesn't really matter and so both of these are perfectly fine there is no right or wrong it's your mm -hmm. life and you get to live it the way that you want the question becomes if you have these you know, one or the other value systems, are you finding someone who also aligns with that value system? Because what we see in long-term relationships, after five years, the two of mm -hmm. them are fighting because, you know, one of them feels undervalued or there's not that yeah. idea of where they stand in the relationship, what the expectations are. So we have to have those conversations very early on in the beginning. What are your values? What are your expectations? Um, what kind of relationship do you want to have? What kind of life do you want to live together? You know, Very do you value respect, communication, honesty, all of these things? And if so, how do they show up in the relationship? So we have to really make sure that we are finding this person that we are compatible with on this deeper, deeper level. Wow. You know, um, I'm learning a lot. Um, I want to ask you about non-negotiables because you mentioned that a while ago. Because, you know, I grew up as a Filipino. And, you know, um, most of my coworkers, you know, I have been to, to different jobs, um, experiencing different cultures, you know, also with traveling and having relationships with other outside of my, my of my race. Right. But uh, but by the end of the day, I'm Filipino and Filipinos. This is how we see relationships. There's no such thing as not negotiables. I don't know, because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's always going to be like because we always follow what the women decide. You know, for example, a normal Filipino household, the, the the father works, right? The father works and the finances goes to the mom. You know, the, that's that's how you saw, I saw my parents, you know, when they got older. And most of my most of my friends are like that as well. So when it comes to finances, it's always the wife that keeps the money. That's non-negotiable. You know, when it comes to buying a car, a, a, car, a property, that's non-negotiable as well. So always by the end of the day, the, the wife decides, you know. 
even the small things like, are we going to go out? Are we going to see this concert? Are we going to take that vacation? Um, the wife uh, put a list on anything. You know, we can't do that. We can't go there. But I want to watch a game. No, we can't. You know, it's way too much. You know, so rather than do it, doing this, we're supposed to do that. We're going to do this. But this is exactly what you want. What about I want? You know, so how do you break it in? But first, I want to ask you, can you give me at least two non-negotiables on your list when it comes to relationship? Yes. So every everyone has non-negotiables. And I think it's yeah. something that we're not we're not used to thinking about. But if I were to yeah. ask you, would you be with someone who enjoyed beating you, you would say, well, no. I oh, that's, that's obviously non-negotiable. <laughs> right? And so it seems so extreme, but you can say, okay, well, that's a non-negotiable. Someone who doesn't beat me. And then we can sort of work right. back Come from on. there. Would you be with someone who has, you know, an addiction or someone who does okay. this? Or of someone course. Who does that. Of course. You can yeah, yeah. You know, get closer and closer to simpler things. Um, but everyone is entitled to their own non-negotiables. There's no okay. right or because this is your partner, you get to choose, you know, and what's right for me might not be right for you. Okay. It's like having someone come and do interior decorating in your house. I personally hate the color red. It's <laughs> for me, it's too bright. It's too dark. It's too loud. My house is full of neutrals. Um, yeah. But if you want to paint your entire house red and have all red furniture, I mean, it's your house. I'm not going to mm -hmm. live in it. So what's right for you may not be right for me. And that's perfectly okay mm -hmm. because there's not one type of relationship. There's that could be part of your non-negotiable, right? So yes. The color of the house, the interior designing. What if we live together? I want to change that. But you know what? Mm -hmm. This is my part of the house. It's my space. So you can't do anything <laughs> about it. You can't touch it. Right. Okay. So for me, for example, um, a non-negotiable is that I, so I'm happily married now and my husband nice. and I were to health and fitness. So I have been in relationships prior to people who didn't really enjoy exercising or eating healthy. Yeah. And that did for me because it's such a big part of my life. I wake up and exactly. I meditate yeah. every day. I love to go hiking and do active things with my husband. So to have someone who prefers to like watch TV and eat a lot of junk food, it, that connection was lost for me. So that was a non-negotiable mm -hmm. for me because it's such a big part of my life. Um, another thing is someone who travels. I have to be in a relationship with someone who travels because I travel about six months a year. So wow. I Wow, that's half of the year. Yeah, between four and six. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I can always love to do that. <laughs> so I need someone who loves to travel to share that passion with me because it is such a big part of my life. Yeah. So those are those are non-negotiable. So when I met my husband, I had to know, you know, do you fit into these into these mm -hmm. parts of my life? And what are your non-negotiables? And let's see if we're compatible, meaning we can create a life together where we're happy. If he didn't like traveling, mm -hmm. it, there's nothing wrong with him, right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with him. some people don't like to travel. I don't understand it, but I don't so. understand that too. <laughs> but you know, and and if he preferred to, to stay in in where the town that we're in that's perfectly fine but we need to make sure that we're that we're compatible now of course as you go down these non-negotiables you have to be very clear about what those are and you have it has to come from your own value system and the way that you want to live life now just because you have non-negotiables and you find that person who matches those non-negotiables doesn't mean that the two of you are never going to have a fight you're, yeah. you're going to everything you're never going to have a problem so 
when we begin the relationship, we do what is called creating a common vision, which is we talk about, are we compatible? Do we have the same values, expectations, boundaries, and beliefs about the relationship? Then, of course, life happens. People lose jobs. They have miscarriages. Yeah. Uh, you can't agree on what restaurant you're going to go to. I mean, tons of things happen. Mm-hmm. And what you do in those cases is you learn how to master a problem-solving technique. So in my work, I call it the power couple technique. It's a technique that I've created to break down the problem-solving um, steps because we have to understand that problems are a part of life. You have to get with the program. You have to accept that in a relationship or not in a relationship, problems are just there. From the time that we're born, it's just one problem after the other, right? But again, mm-hmm. it's not the problem that's the problem itself because if we learn to accept that problems are a part of life, just like water, air, and fire, if we can just learn how to navigate through those problems as a couple with peace, love, communication, respect, understanding, partnership, as opposed to it's me versus you, I'm right, you're wrong, give me what I want, Yeah. right? Instead of doing that, we learn how to navigate together, we go through that problem as quickly as possible, and we can enjoy the rest of the relationship. Wow. You know, um, what I love about what you said about non-negotiables, because it completely puts you um, you know, somehow it keeps you who you are as a person. What I'm trying to say is most of the people when they get married or when they get settled down, I'm sorry to ever who's going to listen to this, but I'm just going to be real here. People change. People tend to change. They change of who they are because of their partners or their wives or husbands, whatever. You know, I, I don't see anything wrong about that. But what about me? You know, am I going to sacrifice about my love for traveling? Am I going to sacrifice about my love for, for being fit just because, you know, um, your, your, your wife, you know, when she had that very first baby, she, she, she got big and she doesn't want to work out anymore because a lot of things has changed. Um, I, I know that this is very shallow and, you know, when you talk about physical, um, it's really important. It's very important. You know, sex is part of the relationship too. It keeps the relationship together. You know, you have to keep it fresh. You have to, to keep it new. Just like what Chris Rock said, if it's not new, it's, it's true, right? So. I want to ask you about non-negotiables. You know, first of all, thank you for saying that because I'm certainly gonna somehow, you know, apply that in 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 my own, you know, in my in in my own way. Um, uh, but do these non-negotiables a, a make or break bill when it comes to relationship? What I'm trying to say is, um, what if this non-negotiable changes? Do you adjust? Do you tweak? What if at the beginning of the relationship you're you're good? You know, all of those non-negotiable lists are intact, um, and all of a sudden. You know, the person changed. Yeah. Non-negotiables are just how you start a relationship. But oh, okay. this idea that I'm going to be the same person today and the same person in 20 years, it's absolutely 100% not going to happen. Exactly. You know, especially yeah. in the fast world where we have technology and we have new discoveries and we have the internet. I mean, we're not going to be the same person. And that can be a beautiful experience because, again, you can use that navigation of your relationship to grow together, to form different ideas together as a couple. When you first get into the relationship, if you want to have those non-negotiables and you want to be very clear about who you are, but of Mm. course it's beautiful to grow and to be influenced by your partner. Exactly. Influenced so much of who I am and I've grown so much because of the positive aspects of who he is and mm-hmm. vice versa you know my my husband has learned so much about relationships <laughs> and you know this is an amazing thing 
But if we have non-negotiables, let's say, um, I, I have had this situation quite a bit. So I, I've had people in relationships where one wants to have a child and the other one doesn't, and they get yeah. into the relationship mm -hmm. anyway. Now, that's not to say that the relationship can't be successful. If mm -hmm. one person wants a child, the other one doesn't, it's not to say that it's never going to work out. But what it is to say is that both of you have to accept that you're getting in the relationship with a person that initially you are not compatible with. And you have to accept if that person never changes because it is their right to not change their mind. So if I say going into the relationship that I don't want to have children and you do, you have to accept that I may never change my mind and, you, and I have to accept that you may never change your mind because we are allowed to be who we are, as you said. And sticking to being who we are, we're also allowed to change. We're also allowed to change our mind. So if you and I get into a relationship and I say, I don't want to have children, that's really what I understand right now. You know, I thought about it. I'm sure I don't. And you don't. And we're like, wow, we're compatible. There may come a day where I change my mind because yeah. that's just the human experience. Exactly. So again, yeah. that navigation, what are we going to do about it? These are our options. We can have one, we can not have one, or we can break up and I have one and you don't. You know, there there are options there, but that's just life. You know, we're never going to be able to predict what's going to happen in the future. We're never going to be able to control the person that we're with and predict exactly who they're going to be 25 years from now. As long as we love them and we enjoy the experience and we learn those navigation tools, that's the closest that we're going to get to success. Sometimes couples grow apart because they change. And it's it's not to say that one is a bad person or the other one yeah. is a bad person. That's just, you know, that's just life. Yeah. It, you know, it, and that's sad, you know. Um, imagine growing and the both of you are going in the right path, uh, maturing as people. But that direction is different from the other one. And you decide, you know, you're not the, you're not the person that I want. And the same thing goes for that person as well. Yeah, that, I think that could happen. It's sad. It is sad in the moment when it happens, but it's it's sort of like it's nature, you know. And if you see yeah. a lion being a gazelle, it's sad. You know, it's sad because the gazelle is dying. But you, but you're kind of like, well, it's just nature. It's you know, survival. It yeah. So that's that's the nature of relationships that we cannot control people. We cannot, you know, we're not fortune tellers. We can't guarantee. But I have to say that um, most of the success or failure of the relationship doesn't have to actually do with the two individuals' characteristics. It has mm -hmm. to do with the fact that both people in the relationship have no idea how to create a thriving relationship. So all of this navigation, the communication, the understanding, the um, problem-solving technique, all of these things are called relationship intelligence. So relationship intelligence is being able to navigate your relationship successfully. And okay. that is the determining factor 99% of the time for the success or failure of relationships. So two people can be in a relationship together. And a lot of times they think that the problem in the relationship is the person, right? I can't believe this person. They're a bad person. I don't like mm -hmm. this person. Yeah. They break up thinking, I'm going to go find a better person. 
right? And this is why we have relationship after relationship after relationship, marriage after marriage after marriage, because we keep thinking that the problem is the person. Yeah. When in actuality, the problem is that we and this other person have no idea how to create a thriving relationship. We don't have that formula. So we keep changing the person, but finding that actually we keep getting back to the same exact spot. So it's not about finding a new person. It's not that it's there are no men out there. There are no big women out there. You know, that that's sort of the dialogue that we're getting yeah. at now is there's no good men. There's no good women. Do you know how many people are on this planet? It's it's, it's crazy. Of course there are. So it's that's not the problem. It's the inability to create and to manage and navigate a successful relationship. Because again, we're never taught. Can you please teach us very quickly? If that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I want to learn too, honestly. How do you navigate, um, you know, uh, it, can can I call it perfect? Can How can you navigate a perfect relationship? Or how can I navigate a right, right relationship? Because for me, that, like what you said earlier, compatibility is going to be the first thing that, that comes into mind. But we are very vapid human beings. For example, if I see, I'm on vacation, I see a beautiful woman, you know, that attracts me. And that enables me to talk to her you know as human beings that's that's who we are you know we're physically attracted to the other person you know so um so um so that's just my thought that's just my thought process uh i I don't think that's that's great i mean yes you should be attracted to if that is something important to you for some people it's not for me it's really important i have to be physically to my partner i think my husband is gorgeous um, he's Italian and has long, long hair now. And <laughs> so that is important, you know, um, but I would say quickly the the. But if, what if having, you know, for example, the very first time you met, you're physically attracted. But when you start talking, you don't really see eye to eye and you can't see this person is having, you know, to, to approve with you with with your na- navigating guidelines to a healthy relationship, the right relationship, because this was totally yeah. different. But you're, you're just very physically attracted with the person. Yeah. I it's mean, it depends. It, yeah, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking. Oh, for yeah, it, of I, course. Yeah. We have, to, we have to dig deeper because we will suffer later. Um, and, and this is the way that I explain it. If you're making a banana bread, I don't know if you have banana bread in the Philippines, but banana it's an American in, in. I'm not sure if you have it. But anyway, it has bananas in it. Um, and <laughs> okay. so if, if you're making a banana bread and you go to the supermarket, it's your job to find a banana. And if you come out with an apple, it's not the apple's fault for being an apple. It's your job to go get a banana. Of course. (laughs) And so this is what we have to do. We have to take responsibility for the person that we are selecting to be our life partner. Not 20 years down the line saying you're not like this and you should be like that. It's our job to do that due diligence in the beginning. And then the two of us together, we learn how to communicate effectively. That is very, very step one as a couple. Learn to communication. Communicate. And most yeah. couples have no idea how to communicate. They do a lot of talking, but they don't understand they don't, communicating. They'll listen sometimes. Yes, active okay. listening. Yeah. Um, having that problem solving technique, understanding when there is a problem, whether it's a problem in the relationship or a problem outside, like a pandemic or a, or a, a loss in the family. How do we deal with that? How do we navigate that as a couple? Finding a solution that works for both of us every single time because this idea of i won the argument you either both win or you both lose so really learning how to do that because you're going to have many problems in your relationship and in your life but you learn how to problem solve as a couple that's really important 
And the, a third thing is to cultivate joy. How do you make, how do you implement the importance of date night, of intimacy, of your sexuality as a couple, of yeah. quality time? What does that look like? And are you growing that? Are you investing in that? Because it's not just something that you add in when, you know, you have time, you add it in because it's as important as making money. It's as important as exercise, breathing, just leave it to the end because they take okay. the relationship uh, for granted. Wow. So communication, cultivating joy. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Communication. You have to pass that first so that you can go to step two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah. your third one? Cultivating joy is dude. That's a, it's, it's hard, you know, yeah. it's hard, <laughs> especially when yeah. the spark is not there anymore. Especially yeah. when, when two when two couples starts to have kids and the priority are the kids. The life is all about the kids. I, mm -hmm. I'm not happy with you anymore, but I want to stay with you because of the kids. I don't yeah. love you. This is normal. You know, most of my friends, I'm sorry, I, I, I they're not going to listen to this. But most of my friends, after they leave work, they call me, Marty, where are you? They don't yeah. want to go home. They want to drink with me because house yeah. or home. Is, 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 it's supposed to be a sanctuary, but when they get there, it's, ah, man, you know, it's, it's that feeling. Yeah. But they stay together with the kids. It's because, you know, their lives are the kids, you know, they got bigger and they don't have, they don't have those things anymore. They don't have, you know, movie time. They don't even enjoy vacation. It's all about the kids. Did you see what the kid did during that time? The pictures is all about, about the kids. So mm -hmm. th that's the hardest part. I'm not saying it's not going to work. It's not workable, but. It's it's not easy. It's not easy, right? Exactly what you said is extremely damaging for couples and it's extremely damaging to the kids. So a lot of times couples think we're staying together for the kids. You're actually damaging the kids more than you think because what you're doing is you are reflecting what a relationship is. That is the first relationship that children see, their parents. And Isn't that, that is most, most couples are in it right now. You know, mom and dad don't talk anymore. They're on their gadgets. And... Yeah, they're, they're, oh, they're seeking that relationship and they're thinking, oh, this is this is how people interact. They yeah. just are cold and they don't laugh and they don't have fun and they don't touch. You know, this is this is a relationship. And so they pick up on that. And that's why you had the generational trauma, the generational ignorance, mm -hmm. the gen just sort of repeating that that behavior. Wow. As children, our parents connecting and communicating and problem solving and loving and as a family enjoying yeah. because that's what it's about at the end of the day, isn't it? We're not having children because there's a shortage of human beings on this planet. We're having kids because it's an experience. Yeah. But I like what you said. We are uneducated when it comes to this. You know, that's why we need people like you, you know, mm. because we 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 understand the standard, you know, the the general advice or we we see others uh, okay they have a family and they're there in in and they're together for a very long time so we should be that too without really realizing you know there's struggles there and we're not somehow it's a little bit embarrassing to talk about it because we see other people especially on social media being happy all the time and without really digging deep how to keep a relationship any uh, if there is a, you know an event or a, a live seminar about how to keep a relationship together. We t we think about it as, you know, okay, so we're having problems at home. No, we're doing this because we want to make things better. We're not doing things because there's something wrong with it. It's not like a hospital where you get sick and you, it's taking care of yourself, right? 
But I'm learning yeah. something. I, this is how what I learned today, you know, by just talking to you, that this thing shouldn't be somehow um, it's a, 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 a form of like a, a disease or maybe you know an embarrassment that uh, do that. You know, I if if I if I do this, maybe I would realize something. I'm I'm fearful that if I do this, I might uh, figure out something that I'm not really happy as a person in this relationship, and I want to leave. I I'm afraid about about what what I'm gonna find out. What if I can't see past that communication because we don't really get along and we've been like that for years, but it's working. A lot of relationships are like that, right? Mm -hmm. As much as yeah, crazy as it sounds. It, like. It's my my point to that is it's your life, and if you're happy oh, yeah. living with those blinders on, I'm no one to tell you that you have yeah. to pull back the curtain and you have to do the work because this is this is your life, and everyone has the right to live their life the way that they want to. But for those couples who do want something mm -hmm. else, they. Do want to stop fighting. They do want to have more intimacy. They do want to have more fun because people are suffering now, not just from their romantic relationships, but they're struggling with finances. Everything's getting so expensive. I want to talk about that too. Yeah. It's just, there's so much going on yeah. and, and there's so much suffering in the world. And then we bring that energy into our relationships. And a lot of times we take it out on our partner because this is the closest person to us, all that stress from, from everything. And so we wake up in the morning, we go through the motions, we check the boxes, but that's being alive. That's not living. And so what relationship? Wait a second. Well, that was beautiful. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah. We're checking the boxes, but that and being alive and that, but, but that's not living. Most of us are walking beautiful. around. Right there. And then we try to fill that void, that anxiety, that depression with, social media, eating, smoking, drinking, any distraction that's going to stimulate our nervous system. Um, but but we're not happy. We're not thriving. We're not excited. We're not connected. We're mm -hmm. not inspired for what's going to happen tomorrow. We're just waiting to go to bed at the end of the day because we're so exhausted. So it's really about giving those people who want more the information that they deserve. And what you were saying before about the education you know, I wish that I didn't have to have this job, although I love it. I wish that I didn't have to have it because this is information that children should be learning in school. And this is why my team and I are working to get this. How but sooner you think should kids learn things like this in school? I would say from first grade, maybe even from kindergarten. Yes, absolutely. This is not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. I'm not that mm -hmm. smart. Um, I tell all of my clients, this is very basic, okay? This is very basic. Nothing I will explain to you, you won't be able to understand. And I've never had in all of my clients, anyone come to me and say, this is really difficult, I don't understand. They understand everything. Yeah. The real hard work comes in yeah, when applying. you make those decisions, it's applying it. And it's hard to do because- yeah, it's hard to do. They have to, they have to rewrite a lot of what their brain is telling them. You know, most mm -hmm. of the things we're thinking on a daily basis are repetitive thoughts. We we think the same thing all day, every day, and we have to stop those thoughts, replace them with new thoughts, replace those bad habits with new habits, which is really getting more difficult the older that you get because you get more comfortable in those things. And so when we teach children, it's much easier because they don't have all those, those years of 
doing the wrong thing and saying the wrong thing and putting themselves in these positions that are allowing them to suffer. Yeah. You know, when we are in, you know, we've all been in that situation where we're feeling really frustrated and we say something we don't mean or we walk away from a conversation and, you know, or we do something that we don't mean and we feel really bad and we say, well, you know, I was really angry. I was really frustrated. Mm-hmm. And this is really important to teach children how to understand that frustration and then understand that there is a moment that where they can pause and they can think, I'm feeling frustrated. Now, how do I want to respond? How do I want to respond in a way that's going to benefit me? Because when we're talking about relationship intelligence, it's not just the relationship we have with our partner, but first and foremost, the relationship that we have with ourselves. So when people are suffering, they're suffering from anxiety and depression and all of these things, you know, that I suffered from for so long, a lot of it has to do with not being able to have these successful relationships. Yes. I I I grew up in a very, very dark oh place. Oh my God. Yes. I'm sorry. So, can can we talk about that a little bit? Uh I, I want to understand that too. Just a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe two minutes. I, I'm sure because the depression is also broad, you know, I've been sad, I've been lonely, but this is something that I could not understand. But every time that I see videos and watch and read from from different people, you know, successful people, people somehow i the more that i know the more that i don't understand it you know so when you when you say you're depressed were you clinically um somehow um told by the doctor that you know prescribed that you are depressed or was it a feeling first things first yeah I wasn't clinically diagnosed um but i did decide that i was going to take my life and i think that that is uh what people would say yeah it would diagnose me with depression and for me being depressed was wanting to opt out of life not wanting to participate anymore for me it was being in that very low space where i felt that there wasn't any optimism left there wasn't any drive there wasn't any desire and i simply just wanted to opt out of the whole thing um i was abandoned by my father when i was an infant and left to sleep in the snow I grew up with my mother and my stepfather in a very, very abusive and neglectful household. And I was extremely book smart. So I was intellectually gifted and I left home at 16. So I became very street smart. I learned how to take care of myself, how to invest in the stock market, get a job, two degrees. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, I was miserable. All of that trauma had come with me. And even though I had what people would see as success, I felt interiorly like a failure. I wasn't happy. I wasn't connected. Um, And so I realized that the book smarts and the street smarts are important, but the number one education that we need is relationship intelligence. Wait a second. Um, So it could obviously, the the, the problem was not about your your intelligence, your skills, you know, financially, I, 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 you know, you're successful. Um, but how old you were, how how old were you when this happened? And when you say that you want to opt out, um, if if it's possible, I, I really want to understand this. Is it possible? Can you describe that certain feeling? Because just like what I said, and I think I speak a lot for you know I speak a lot for for a lot of people that you know we've been sad, we've been lonely, right? Um, and but there's always a way out. For example, if I feel sad, I I try to go outside. You know, when you see the sunshine, it's just you know it's it's my <laughs> magic pill. You know, when I bike. When, when I listen yeah. to music, when I go outside, when I hike a mountain, when I dive in a waterfall, it's like, dude, this is fucking amazing, you know? But, 
Yeah, I, I swear to God. But when I go home or the, the weather's bad, it was like I overthink, you know, I, I sort of like live in this, you know, in between this, you know, this call. And um, I, I realized that why am I sad for no reason? Sometimes I Google, you know, is it possible to be sad for no reason? And I read things like, dude, I don't want to be educated this way because I might think, I might think that I'm depressed, but I don't want to feel that way because I'm not clinically diagnosed. But this is what I read. And this is how I feel. Am I? Am I? Do I belong to that to that category? But that's the reason I'm I'm so very curious. You know, coming from a person who really felt that way. So, how would you describe that if it's possible? So, for me, a lot of the um, experience of that sort of idea of wanting to opt out that was present throughout my entire life. So. Uh, we were wow. physically beaten. We were emotionally abused. Um, my mother was abused. My sisters were abused. And so that opting out started at such a young age because when I saw the abuse or I experienced the abuse, I just wanted, I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to disappear. And that turned into anxiety, worrying that bad things were going to happen. And I would have that feeling of wanting to opt out. Um, and then getting so depressed that it would never getting so depressed with the idea that it would never get better because it sort of seemed like the older I got, the worse my life got, the more difficult it became. And so it got to the point where I said, okay, I can have all of these exterior things. I can have a house and a car, but mm -hmm. I'm so miserable inside. And at the time, I didn't know what trauma was. I don't think yeah. that it was a big word that was used. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I didn't know what healing looked like. I didn't know um, what self-love looked like because I had never been taught those things. So I didn't know exactly what I was experiencing that, at that time. And I just thought, well, if this is what life is going to be, I, I just don't want any part of it because this is this is painful. Waking mm -hmm. up every day, having this feeling of, of failure, um, even though I'm succeeding on the outside. And so when I had that moment where I, where I, I actually went to a hotel room and, and I decided that I was going to take my life, but I looked myself in the mirror and I thought to myself, just before making that decision, I said, do I actually want to die or do I want the suffering to end? And in that moment, I realized that those were two different things. That yes, I wanted the suffering to end. I wanted to have a more fulfilling life where I was happy and joyful and connected, where I felt like I was living on, on purpose, not just alive. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I didn't know if it was possible, but I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose. It doesn't go, doesn't get any worse than this. So let's try this. And that's where my my healing journey began. So this is how, you know, this entire thing was born. It's because of that, because of the suffering that you felt inside. You you studied and you research, but it, it's a big correlation to, to your personal struggle, uh, struggles, having the depression yeah. and waking up every day and wanting to opt out, let's just say. Wow, this is an amazing story, you know? Man, it's scary to think about it. So, uh, uh, Riley, so just one more. When when you go back, if you were to compare, you know, how you felt during that time and how you felt now, um, if there's anybody out there who's experiencing depression but doesn't know how to end it, because, dude, you know, people like uh, Chester, um, you know, the vocalist of, of Linkin Park and this actor, the comedian, um, what's his name? Uh, he's a, man, I forgot his name. But uh, let's just say we have Chris Cornell, you know, the famous musician as well. 
um, Anthony Bourdain, you know, successful people like on top of the world, rock stars, but they seem to be happy people every time that they, you know, it's the same story. It's the same pattern. Every time that uh, that person dies out of a, from depression, they have the same testimony every time. Oh, he was a happy person. He was great to be around with. Wow. He was the light. Uh, you know, he was everything. He was energy. He transcended positivity every time that he walks in that room and we, we didn't know that he was this and he was that. And after a while, you know, people start to trace that he was really feeling this way, but we don't see it on the surface. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, um, man, it's very confusing to be honest with you. It's very confusing. So how do you advise people who feel depressed, but are scared to admit that they are and how are they going to somehow change that? I, I, I'm sorry. I, it's my ignorance that's telling me this. I, I'm speaking to it like it's very easy. I know it's not, you know. Uh, I know it's not. And it's something that I don't understand. That's why I want to learn. Uh, just anybody who's listening to that, you know, who's feeling depressed, how are they going to, you know, somehow live at least day by day? And um... Yeah, so I, I, I would say from my experience, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I have experienced yes. yeah. depression for so many years of my life. I would say that for me, d depression is that idea of opting out. It's I would prefer to to not know what's going to happen or to have nothing happen um, rather than continuing to experience what I'm experiencing now because what I'm experiencing now is so painful. And so I'm going to make that choice. So my question to myself was, could I change this experience that I'm having now? Could I change yeah. the suffering yeah. that I'm experiencing? And the number one reason why we suffer is because of our relationships, because of our relationship for, with ourselves and the relationships we have with other that people. Is, yeah. So this idea of suffering, suffering happens in the mind. It doesn't happen in the body, but it happens in the mind. Pain happens in the body, but suffering is completely mental. So how can we build a better relationship in our mind? One of the best things that I learned how to do was to understand how to let go of expectation that things should be a certain way. My father abandoned me when I was an infant and I always compared, well, what's wrong with me? Well, what kind of person would do that? Why is this happening to me? Why is my mother beating me? Why is this? Why is that? It shouldn't be like that. This idea that life should be one way, it, life is just sort of an experiment, right? It's just happening and these things happen. And so the question that I had to ask myself was, well, if these things happen, why would I not expect them to happen to me? Who would I prefer them to happen to, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding to let go of those expectations, that was one of the biggest things that allowed my mind to come to peace with the experience that I was, ha that I was having. And also understanding that the past of my life did not dictate the future. Yeah. So when I was being abused and, you know, we were poor, I grew up um, bullied a lot because, because I was one of the only people of color in my community. Um, so that experience did not have to dictate the rest of my life. I now get to travel the world. I'm really happy in my marriage with my friends, with my community, that that experience can change. Yeah. So a lot of times we get stuck in this thought pattern of this is how it's always going to be. And this is how I'm always going to feel. You know, I was extremely deeply, darkly depressed. I had an eating disorder. I had a binge eating disorder. 
um, I started to get really fearful of going outside. I didn't want to leave the house I, because I felt safe. Man, that's my... so scary, man. Just listening to you so, gave me... Oh, yeah, it's it, terrible. And so when you have that feel, what, those feelings, you just think, well, I would rather have nothing than have this because this is really... Oh, really Jesus crazy. Christ, dude. Ah. So when you are in those moments, that is really... A difficult time to be optimistic, right? Because you think that it's always going to be like this. But knowing, having that higher self tell you that that can completely change. Not only your outside circumstances where you live and your relationship and your job and things like that, but that internal feeling and that internal experience can do a 180 and you can have a completely different experience through different techniques of healing and and working on yourself. I now have this amazing relationship with myself, but I'll be honest with you, I have to work at it um, on a daily basis. My husband- Until now? Until now. Until now. <laughs> until now. So it's sort of like this lifetime maintenance plan. It's sort of like- well, Wait, wait know, a second. Would... I'm so sorry for cutting you off. When you say, I, I, I'm just curious. So when you say until now, does that feeling still haunt you or that experience still haunt you every time? No, no, no. So I, I would say that I, I'm far removed from my, from my Oh yes. Trauma. Okay. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Even now, when I tell my story, it's, it's like I'm telling you a movie that I saw, or yeah. I'm telling you about mm -hmm. an experience that someone else has had. Mm -hmm. So I remember all of the details, but I yeah. don't ex relive them. So it's oh, yeah, not yes, a movie exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's for me. Um, so I have healed from that process mm -hmm. after after many years. But when I say a maintenance plan. Anxiety and depression and trauma leave scars. So Forever. I don't think yeah. that. Yeah. So so I do think that I, I compare myself to my husband. So my husband um, never really went through any kind of deep, deep trauma. He had a mm. more or less happy childhood and good experiences. Mm. Um, and so he's a he's a it's very easy for him to be a happy and, and joyful and connected person. Yeah. For me, I am happy. I am connected. But it is a more slippery slope. So we were talking about the weather. I'm very affected by gray weather, for example. So too, yeah. I live in the UK. <laughs> so for me to spend two weeks, uh, you know, I was I was there for six months. I had to leave. And it's not to say that I would slip back into a depression, but I do feel the effect. I do start to get into that. That's sad, weird, me too. Yeah. Which is really um it's a place that I don't want to go. So I don't, yeah. I don't, I would go back to where I was, but I make sure that I do that extra work to make yeah. sure that I am on that other side. Mm -hmm. um, because I do think that, yeah, the, the trauma and the, the anxiety and the depression, it does shape your DNA. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is crazy. It's wild. Um, you know, even factors like the weather, you know, I agree, completely agree with you, but I, I don't think I have it. I don't think I have depression. Maybe, and also, I, I'm so scared to admit if I had, but I don't, you know. But even that, even even, even that could be a click. It could be like, you know, uh, a spark plug, you know. It could, like, spark at any time. Um, I don't understand why, but th that's how I feel, you know. When, when it's rainy, for example, it, I've been to other countries that's it just cold. And I don't, I'm not fascinated with the snow or the cold weather. You know, when it's sunny, the better. You know, I love the mountain climb. I love walking outside. I love the ocean. That's the reason why I'm yeah. here, you know? And it's just completely changes everything. My per perception in life, my outlook for, for today, you know, um, a lot of things 
are not for certain, but you know, I, I'm certain that today is going to be a good day. You know, so that's what I have in my head. Uh, it's interesting that I ask you about depression because one of my best friends is suffering from that anxiety and depression, and I had him here, and it's the same situation. You know, he wanted to take his life, and every time that he looks at his daughter, which is my goddaughter, um, his you know his world just completely changed. But I, I ask him, what if you don't have your kid? What if you don't have your you have sons? Why? But why is the girl different? And he told me, I don't know. But depression is something that he told me that people are so tired of listening to. You know, even even his mom and the brothers, which I know, uh, you know, in person, uh, they just give him the same generic answer that everything's gonna be okay and everything's gonna be fine. Just pray, and you know. Um, and, you know, just try to work out, exercise, go out, play basketball, play, do this and do that. And he, by the end of the day, it's, it's him who tries to understand those things because, you know, these people are not educated enough to understand about these things. And it's very hard to explain on my part, you know, so he lives, you know, he lives with that every day too. And, you know, yeah, it's an ongoing battle every day. But anyway, Riley, I just have one more question. So we, we talk about, um, education and being not just love but you know broad broad like like uh you know how you treat people and how you deal with yourself which is very very deep um but just one more thing about relationships especially as a couple i want to talk about finances how do you for example especially us here you know i want to talk about the feeling i'm filipino um, we don't have separate bank accounts. You know, I, I'm sure that every household is different from one another, but culture dictates that, you know, you should have the same bank accounts because it, because it allows you to treat the transparency and the trust, you know, but I don't agree with that personally because you're supposed to have your own money. I'm supposed to have mine. And we, when we, um, when we talk about, you know, buying something for this and that, yes, we can, we can have you know, a different account for, for the both of us. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, your money, I'm, I'm, yeah, we are married and we're supposed to share everything, but you're supposed to have your privacy still, you know, even if it's, even if it's just vapid, something like Facebook password, <laughs> that's your, that's for you to keep. And whatever you do with your money, that's your own business. What is your thought about this? That's a really great question. And I get this question a lot. Mm -hmm. um, before I get into the detail, I just want to say this because it's really important for people to understand the success or failure of a relationship mm -hmm. has nothing to do with these different types of styles that you have. Okay. So whether you're married or you're just in a relationship, if you have children, if you don't have children, if you have an open relationship or a closed relationship, if you decide to share finances or you have separate bank accounts, if you know the husband stays at home and takes care of the kids and the wife goes out to work or vice mm -hmm. versa, none of these decisions will automatically grant you success or failure of the relationship. Because we've seen couples on both sides doing yeah. all these different things. The only thing that will determine the success or failure of the relationship is relationship intelligence. Nothing else matters. So with that said, when it comes to the finances, there's no such thing as you should do this. Meaning that every couple should do the same. There's no yeah. such thing because mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever it is that sits right with you. So 
in the States and actually in the UK as well, it's very common to have separate bank accounts. So we're we're the opposite. Yeah. But my husband and I, we share a bank account. <laughs> so for for Americans and Europeans, it's it's very strange. They're like, why would you share a bank account? It's not safe and you're going to do that. You know, but we have discussed it. And that's the idea. You should discuss what do you believe and why do you believe that? This idea that it should be this way. Society told me this is what my parents did. This is what my family does. Th- mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with you. Think you know, this idea of critical thinking really is so difficult for us to do. Yeah. So we have mm. to think, what makes sense to me? What it goes with the values and beliefs of me and my partner? So when my husband sat, my husband and I sat down, we thought about, do we want to share? Do we want to have different? Do we want to do 50-50? You know, what makes sense to us? And we thought we're sharing everything else and we we want to have a child. We will share a human being, but we can share finances. And we don't like this idea, this taboo idea that finances are somehow more important than than a child, let's say, or a house that we live in, or experiences that we have, or each other's bodies. You know, this idea that finances is sort of the most important thing. Um, and then with those finances comes a lot of control. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. whoever makes money has more control in these things. Um, and it also has to do with the fact that we don't value finances as much as other things. So if my husband happens to bring in more money, if I happen to bring in more money, it could be that one day he loses his job and then yeah. what? And, you know, I'm going to go out to a <laughs> to a five-star restaurant and sell McDonald's, yeah. you know? And, and I think the most important uh, deciding factor was if I, let's say that I was making 10 million a year and he was making 50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And we had two separate bank accounts. My question to myself was, well, what am I going to buy with all that money? What am I going to buy that I don't want to share? Or why would I want to share with him when he only makes 50 and I make 10 M in a, in a year? He could use that money for whatever he wants. I want to keep this. I want to lie about the finances and just tell him, yeah. I make 50 a, a year as well. So let's put yeah, that too. I only, I only make 50. These diamonds, I don't know where they came from. <laughs> no, but you know, for us, we have transparency. We take care mm-hmm. of each other. We just, that for us, it made sense. Now, it's not to say that every relationship has to be the same. And that's the beauty. You get to choose whatever relationship dynamic you want. The Beautiful. only person yeah. agree with you is your partner so mm-hmm. if you and your partner are happy with that then you know all the best to you and and i say this about everything because right now we're so obsessed with what is the right thing to do you know you have to do this and you have to do that i'm not sure if you know um andrew tate and that no. whole um okay so this i'm there, sorry there's a, there's a lot of men particularly women as well um, but men particularly who are saying that men have to be men because right now we're sort of having a gender war. So men have to be men. They have to provide. They have to be the the breadwitters. They are the owners of their partner. Um, they are the the heads of the households and the women, you know, they have to be submissive. They submit to their husbands and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And the truth is that there is no right or wrong. And people are really obsessed with what is, you know, we have to do this because this is going to make everyone happy. Well, there are over 7 billion people on this planet. There's no way that one lifestyle is going to make everyone happy. So why are we trying to say 
that there's one way to live and only this way. And as, if everyone does that, then the world will be a better place. It just doesn't make any sense. So the idea is that you get to choose whatever it is that you want in your relationship. If you, you know, I work with couples who are polyamorous, who have open relationships. I work with couples who are, you know, same-sex couples. I work with every type of couple. And you get to choose all of those little things because they really don't matter. As long as the two of you have effective communication, a problem-solving technique, you respect one another, you show each other compassion and love, you celebrate those good moments, then everything else you get to enjoy. Wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Riley, um, uh, I always want to sincerely thank you for, for having, you know, um, having this discussion with me today. You know, I, I want to talk, I want to talk to you more about um, relationships, honestly. Uh, but I have one more question, <laughs> just just an ending question to, to, for this. How how does Riley define um, happiness? How do you find happiness? Oh, it's a good question. Yeah, I would say happiness is self fulfillment. Happiness is self fulfillment, and I think at first glance it sounds a bit selfish. Yeah. Um, because believe self-fulfillment is having money and having cars and having, you know, fame and all of these things. But when we think about it, humans actually have the same basic human needs. Yeah. So whether you're a pop star or a serial killer, you have the same basic human needs. And this is why relationships are actually much more simplified than we believe them to be. Because we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel heard. We all want to feel seen. We want to feel respected. We want to feel connected. Every human yeah. being wants think. We may present it in different ways. We may express it in different ways. But ultimately, we want the same thing. And when we start to connect with our true value, regardless of the outside world, that's when we get to understand what our value system is. And most people have the same value system. We want respect, trust, honesty, hurt. Yeah. A lot of times we are born with those things, but then society gets in the way because we're poor, Very because true. we're suffering, because there's war, because there's injustice. And so people will then shift, but we're all born good. I believe we are all born good. And when we connect with that goodness and we fulfill that self, then we are, then we are happy.